Vahini Mekioni Mana, ladies and gentlemen. No flashbulbs, please. Our performers are temperamental and easily upset. Thank you for your cooperation. Oh, look at all the people. My goodness, you're all staring at us. We better start the show rolling. Wait, wait. We forgot to wake up the glee club. Hey, howdy, hey. Thank you for joining us here on Enchanted Tiki Talk. This is episode 16. On this week's episode, we have part two of our Rolly Crump interview. If you missed part one, check out episode 13 to catch up. Rolly, I've read that you and the other Imagineers enjoyed playing pranks on each other. What's what's a favorite prank that you pulled off in your days with Disney, and, and were you ever pranked in return? <clears throat> well, we have a bunch. But the best one of all was uh, Yale Gracie and I were working on uh, all the illusions for the Haunted Mansion. We had this great big room, and we blacked off all the windows. And in the room, we had built a monster that Walt could come with a little uh, ray gun and, you know, infrared ray and shoot the monster. And the monster would blow up, and his head would come off and fly around the room, and, and his, it was on a string and tied to the ceiling. And then I had a, a silk ghost made up, and you put put that on on a on a, a scroll cage fan and when the fan went off and blew it up it get all it was started wiggling and shaking and everything and then we had a lot of real weird heads uh that we had bought from the model from the magic shop in hollywood that we used as monsters which we painted with black light paint well we got a, a call one day from personnel and they said the janitors have requested that you leave the lights on when you go home at night meaning that they didn't want to go into a dark room with all this good stuff in there. So <clears throat> Yale, being as clever as he was, he we completely rigged the room. And so what we did was when we left the room, the lights, there was a dim light, but everything else was turned off. But if somebody walked into the room and broke the infrared beam, the monster would blow up. The, the silk ghost would come up and start shimmering and shaking. And we had a couple of other little gags that we had in there, and this was all done in black light. So we left the room and went home. And we came back the next morning, and sure enough, the head from the monster was hanging from the ceiling. Uh, the little ghost was going, blowing there all night long, and right in the middle of the floor was a broom. And we got a call. We, we got a call that afternoon. They said you're going to have to clean up your office because they're never coming back. Uh. <laughs> I think that's that's the best gag that I know of that I was involved with. Your concept of using the teacups as ride vehicles for Alice in Wonderland sounded great. Are there under other concepts um, besides that in Haunted Mansion that never got made that bothered you? Yeah, yeah, that <clears throat> that's an interesting story. I was asked to design all the dark rides for Disney World when we were going to do it. And I only got to do one, which was the Toad Ride. But I always wanted to do the Alice Ride, and I wanted you to go into the Alice Ride sitting in a teacup. Because, of course, the whole story is about, you know, the tea, the little tea meeting that, that she had with the White Rabbit and everything. So I wanted the public to actually be one of the teacups on the table going through the ride 
And of course, that meant that it looked like you had been reduced in size. And the thing that was great about it is I wanted, as you went through the ride, I wanted the teacup to turn. Or you, or you could turn it just like you do in the teacups, which meant that you had to design all the sets in there in three dimensions. I mean, in, all the way around, 360 degrees. And I thought that would have been a ball. Uh, I would have really loved doing that. But um, they actually did uh, do a test track on a teacup and an Omnimover base, and it worked. But uh, we never got to do that. I guess they ran out of time or money to do that, but I still think that would have been a fun thing, a, a real fun dark ride would be ride through the ride in a teacup. Going back to the series of pranks, were you ever pranked? Is there one that stands out the other Imagineers pulled a prank on you? Probably, yeah, I'm sure there was pranks pulled on me. Uh, probably when I was in animation. Uh, we did a lot of crazy stuff there. Uh, one of the big pranks that they used to do, and I think they actually, well, what they did, I forgot one of them. When you're sitting at an animation desk, you have a disc, and then there's a light behind the disc, and so that you can do your in-betweens and everything. Well, one of the biggest gags was, was to take some, uh, a piece of smoked herring and tape it to the light. And when you turn the light on, of course, it, it wouldn't smell. But as the light got hotter and hotter, <laughs> then, of course, this ungodly smell of smoked herring would come from your desk. And you couldn't figure out what the hell it was. And then, of course, you'd take your disc out, and you can see the smoke carrying on the lamp. And they did that to me once. We used to do it to everybody after it happened to me, and then we did it to other people, too. So it's, <laughs> and it's not easy to find smoke carrying anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of paid it forward. Yeah. What project are you most proud of being a part of from your, your, your entire career? Well, probably, you know, this is... Uh, I have a lot, but I guess if, if you really boil it down, there's two of them, and they're both re related to Small World. I'm very proud of the Tower of the Four Winds, and I feel sorry that, that it, we didn't get it built and designed the way I would have liked it. There was a lot of things that I learned about it later on that would have made it a hell of a lot better. And, of course, Small World, you know, it's just doing, being the part. I was, you know, when it came to what did I actually do on Small World, I was the glue. I was the one that kept track of everything, all the characters, where they were staged, where, how the sets were built, and following Mary's style, making sure that everything was built. So again, I think that was probably one of the, obviously, one of the best things that, that I was most proud of because I spent, I don't know, about four years on that damn ride, and I was in charge of it. And one of the great stories was <clears throat> we didn't know they were going to bring Small World back to Disneyland. And then they called us in and told us. And so what happened was uh, they had a year that they were, you know, to build the, the building and everything to put Small World in. And what they did was they shipped all the sets back from the World's Fair and they put them in a warehouse. And you got to remember that these sets were not made out of plywood. They were made out of stretched canvas, which meant that they were very delicate. And so they put all of these in a great big warehouse, and it looked like a pile of junk. And I had to go in there and say, okay, i got to take this pile of junk and bring it back to life and put it in Small World at Disneyland. So that was probably one of the most challenging 
uh, uh, projects I ever had to get involved with. And there was no problem. Uh, Everybody was so sweet that worked with me on it. And we just all got together and, and did it. In fact, those sets that are in Disneyland are the same sets that were at the World's Fair. And they're made out of canvas, for God's sakes. That's amazing that it's it's uh, stayed together this long, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a great story of how you rode, a, you rode inside the building on your motorcycle and dropped a, a secretary off. What did everybody think about that, especially Walt? Yeah. Well, I came back from lunch. I used to, I had a motorcycle I kept there at WED, and at lunchtime maybe I'd get on the bike and ride up to, up to uh, Griffith Park. There was a little hamburger stand way at the top of Griffith Park, and ride up there and have a hamburger. And I came back, and I was parking it outside uh, the model, sh- uh, model shop, and one of the secretaries said, I've never ridden on a motorcycle. I said, you want to ride on it? She said, well, sure. She says, when? And I said, just get on the back of it. So she got on the back of it, and I rode it right through the middle of the model shop up to her office, and her office desk was right there where Dick Irvine's office was. And so here I am with a motorcycle bringing his secretary up from lunch, and, and the noise, of course, of a motorcycle was pretty big. And so Dick came out of his office, threw the door open, he looked at me, he saw me, he said, oh, it's just rolling, and turned around and went back in, into his office. <laughs> Did Walt I, ever was a, I was a bit of a scamp. I want you to know that. <laughs> Did Walt find out about that? No, he no, he never knew about that one. Um, the one that he did know about was uh, when I. What happened? This was the story about the uh, cave woman, um, and this this is one where Walt got a kind of a big kick out of. Um, Blaine Gibson that sculpted the cave women and the cave uh, cave guys, cave men. Um, we got back from the studio. He had built, sculpted this cave woman. They made her out of fiberglass. Then they put a skin on her. Then they painted her skin. And then they put a big vicuna, big fur around her. Of course, it was just around her waist. And, and she was pretty well endowed, needless to say. And they brought her over. And, and Blaine said to me, Rolly said, I like the color of the skin, but I don't know if it's a good value. So he said, I want to make sure that it's the same value of normal skin. So he said, would you mind taking your shirt off and standing by her? And I said, oh, God, no. (laughs) So I took my shirt off. I took my shoes off. I rolled my pants up so it looked like I didn't have anything on and then put another vicuna around me. And then I proceeded to have a lot of fun with her. I had my hands all over her body, (laughs) top to bottom and everything. And Blaine shot, I'd say, about a dozen Polaroid shots of Roley having fun with this big cave woman. And uh, he kept him in his file. He said, well, you know, Roley, he said, it's the right value. This is going to work out fine. Well, he kept that in a little file that he had. Well, a few weeks later, Walt's over talking to Blaine about something. And wanted to ask Blaine a question about something, and Blaine said, "Well, he said, I think I've got that in my file." So Blaine started going through the file of all the uh, pictures, and all of a sudden he slips, flips by Rolly attacking the cave woman, and um, Walt says, "What's that?" And I'm standing there, and I'm going, "Oh shit, you know what? What's? Oh God, what's going to happen here?" And uh, he says, "Well, that's Rolly and the cave woman." He says, "I was checking skin values." And Walt said, let me see those. So Blaine took all, all 12 of them out, laid them out on a counter, and I'm sitting there thinking, well, I just lost my job. 
<laughs> no, I just thought, Jesus, this is this is a little spooky. So and Walt started laughing. Well, I I was a little concerned about it, so I went over to get a Seven Up uh, to keep my little tummy together. And I'm over there talking to a friend of mine after I got the Seven Up. And uh, and evidently when we were over there, we were all laughing and having a good time, including Walt. And so this friend of mine said, what's going on over there, Rolly? And I said, well, they're showing Walt all those pictures of me with the cavewoman. And he said, well, what did he say? And I, I turned to him and I said, he laughed. And when I turned around, Walt was standing right behind me, waiting to get a seven up. And he said, that's right, Rolly. He laughed. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of my favorite stories. That's great. That's, awesome. good. that's a great so story. He knew, he knew I was a little bit of a scam. <laughs> Do you think after Walt passed away that the politics of of Wed had an impact on the artistry? Well, that's a that's a nightmare to answer. Um, yeah, it, it, because you can't you know with, without Walt, of course, everything just went to dust, and then there was a lot of uh, fighting for power and everything. And uh, the saddest thing of all was. They didn't put a creative person in charge, and you needed a creative person to direct the designers, and um, that didn't happen. They put Marty Sklar in charge, and he was—he did well, but he was a writer. He wasn't uh, an art director or a designer, so I think that that was um, one of the concerns that I've always had. I think he did the very best he could, but uh, and John Hand should have stepped in to do it, but John wouldn't. John was want uh, to kind of stay step into the you know the shadows and didn't want to get involved and it's, it's, but that was it that was just the evolution and that that wasn't just at Web the whole company went through hell without Walt. What was your involvement in uh, the new Seekers of the Weird comic book that just came out recently? Well, I'm surprised about that. That that just came right up out of the ground. I wasn't aware that. Um, Marvel was owned by Disney, and I didn't. I wasn't aware of the fact that all of a sudden they dug into the archives and found my Museum of the Weird and decided to do something with it. And um, so I had absolutely no involvement whatsoever, other than the fact that uh, they—they're using all the little sketches that I did, and I'm thrilled about that. And they're keeping me—they're keeping me in touch of what they're doing, and they're being very faithful to me and to the sketches. And I'm excited about it. I think I think it might be a step <clears throat> into the right direction that eventually there will be a real museum of the weird. But uh, God only knows what will happen because it's only been dead for 50 years, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, don't they say that nothing's dead in the Imagineering or, or Web? Oh, they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you something that's really sad. I gave a talk to a class at a college not too long ago. And um, one of the little gals said, you know, I'd like to get a job at WED. And I said, no, 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 you don't want to get a job at WED. She kept, I think she thought that it's probably still a wonderful explosive place. And basically I think I said to her, no, it's Walt's not with us anymore. And that place that we grew up in that had all the imagination running all over the place is no longer there. And I said, and I said, you know, in fact, I've told a lot of young people saying, how do I get a job at WED? And I say, well, go to CalArts, 
which is Disney's, uh, you, know, you know, art school, and work your way into what through Cal Arts. But it's, you know, people say, hear my stories, and they think, oh God, I'd like to be there. Well, that's not the same place anymore. Huh. You know, we we were the those were during the naive years when we were all having a good time, and nobody knew what they were doing, and we just did it anyway. Right. Um, in the past, you've given tours to people in Disneyland. Do you ever still do that anymore? Do I? No, no, I don't. I used to a long time ago when I when I could walk around comfortably, but I haven't done it in years. How has working for Walt Disney, uh, working with Walt, working for the company, and your entire experience with with Disney, how has that affected your life? I know that's an open-ended question, but... Well, you know, you you couldn't have had a better life than I did. Uh, I I feel so fortunate. I was at the right place at the right time, and I, I couldn't be happier. If somebody said, "Would you do it again?" I said, "I do it every second, exactly the same. I wouldn't change it." It was a magic time, and it was a magic time for everybody. Uh, you know, we invented Walt invented a whole new industry called theme parks. And to be part of that when it was just starting and being a piece of the building blocks of that was very, very special. And, and then the other thing was, the, the, the fun part about it was you never knew what the hell you were doing. And when you were asked to do something, you sit there and you never got scared. You know, a lot of people talk about the blank piece of paper is scary. No, it's not. When you sit there and you just say, oh my God. And then you turn, you, you throw the switch to imagination and let imagination take over. And the interesting thing about designing a project or even doing a painting, it reaches the point to where it takes on its own life and it tells you what to do. And that's something that I've always learned and loved is by waiting for the project or the piece of artwork that you're doing takes over and says, uh-uh, no, you got to add a little here, you got to do a little there, and the imagination tells you what to do, and I always love that. You still enjoy painting and creating artwork? Well, I do funky little sketches that are hanging on our refrigerator wall. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, what happens is, I, I, you know, things don't work like they used to believe. You find that hard to believe, but um, <laughs> like yesterday, I had to sign for three solid hours autographs, and at the end of that, I couldn't even hold a pencil. Um, uh, oh, yeah. I, I we get we get some of the sweetest goddamn letters uh, that come to us. People thinking how much they love my work and and talking about you know, their favorite ride and and a lot of them had to do with the tiki room and stuff. And if I get a real sweet letter, one that I think is really sweet, then I'll do a little sketch. I'll do a little crazy thumbnail sketch. And I did one not too long ago for a fellow that loved the tiki room. And I did a sketch of Rolly in, in, a little, in his tiki garden. So I'll still do little funky sketches uh, for people that I, I'm quite taken with. But I don't do it for everybody. It has to be, it has to kind of touch me. And right. Marie and I know that we get letters that are so goddamn sweet you want to cry. Right. And when I get one of those, I definitely want to do something and send it to them. Do you have one memory that stands out of you spending time with Walt in Disneyland? be honest with you, there was only one time I was with Walt at Disneyland, and that's when they were building It's a Small World facade, 
and there was uh, the engineers and the architects and everybody. We all met with Walt uh, down at the front of the Small World facade and discussed what was going to take place. And that was the only time I was ever with Walt at Disneyland. Uh, other, you know, I never saw him there. Okay. Um, now we, um, for every guest that we have on the show, we ask them the same five questions. Here's the first question. Do you have a favorite snack at Disneyland? Yeah, I like it. What is it? What are that? What's that ice cream? The Dole Whip. That we go down there. We have that big. Oh, uh, uh, I forget what it's, it's called, but it's. Yes, yeah, it's it's, it's where Sunkist was, and we get this big ice cream. It's just delicious. Years ago, I used to love the popcorn, and I, I always had to have popcorn when I went to Disneyland. Yeah, that's you know that's something that I have a, a three-year-old son now, and he absolutely loves having the pop. The only time he's ever had popcorn has been in, in Disney World itself. So, and he loves that. Oh yeah, one of the things I loved was years and years ago was to go to Aunt Jemima's and have pancakes that were in the shape of Mickey Mouse ears. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, that was great. Do you have a favorite attraction in Disneyland? Pirates. Yeah. Pirates has always been my nice. favorite. Yeah. That's a great attraction. Yeah, I think it's the best dark ride that was ever built. Yeah, I, I, I probably agree with you. Yeah. Well, you know why is because, and I talked with Walt about this. Walt told me, he said, you know, when you're designing a ride, he says you want to get people into it to where you feel like you're really there. Now, I was on the, the Rivers of America with him on the Mark Twain, and we were riding around together. We were talking. Oh, that's right. I forgot I was with him on, on the Mark Twain once. And... Um, he says, you know, Rolly, if you lean back and you look at the shoreline and you look at all the trees and everything, he said, you know, you could, be, you could go back 100, 150 years. He says, that's what I want the public to do. I want them, when they're in an event or a, a ride or an attraction or whatever, I want them to feel like they're really there. And the only way to do that is with time. And uh, you have to spend oh, quite a bit of time. And Small World has... Uh, the same length of time in it, I think, is, no, I think the Pirates is, is 20 minutes. And that, you know, once you get in there, you really get tied up in the fact of where you are and what's going on. The, the dark ride just to be 90 seconds, so you don't get that in 90 <laughs> right. seconds. Yeah. Well, you know, you just mentioned that Walt, you know, is a, is a, was a time thing, and, and he succeeded in that because you can you can escape and you can feel like you've gone to a, a whole other place, and that's the beauty of Disneyland and Disney World. Well, that was his whole thought about what he built. That's why he built berms around Disneyland with all the landscaping and trees so that you didn't know where the hell you were. You know, He blocked out everything. And he right. also had the control of, of signs of hotels and everything so that you didn't get visual intrusion. Uh, which was great, and the city went with him on that. That, that was great. Do you have but a favorite Disney? Yeah, but he did decide that when he uh, was going to do another theme park, which was Florida, he wanted to make sure that, that you didn't see what was right next door. He used to call all the motels that were on Harbor Boulevard across the street from Disney, he called that a kind of Tijuana Row. He really hated <laughs> those 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 little uh, you know motels and so he said we're never going to do that again so then he went out and bought 27,000 acres and then puts you know Disney World inside of that what's your favorite uh, Disney character 
probably Peter Pan because I was the last in-betweener hired on Peter Pan and I fell madly in love with him while I was in animation working on it. And so I always, that always, you know, that's part of your beginning, things that you remember. And uh, I think that one is, is my favorite. I absolutely love Peter Pan. What's your favorite Disney movie? Well, they're all, I can't I can't separate all of them, but right now uh, I'm really leaning toward Mary Poppins. Nice. I love Mary Poppins, and I was really upset that it didn't win the Academy Award because I think that was the best live action picture you ever made. If you get into the animated cartoons, um, what was my favorite there probably would be Fantasia. Okay. Just because the imagination that went into Fantasia. Right, yeah, that's it's an incredible um, piece of work. You know, from the music and the animation, it's just, it's incredible. It's an incredible film. And now, one more question for you: Do you have a favorite uh, Disney park memory? Well, I have too many. You know, you don't have time for this. I need to... <laughs> no, no, it's uh, we no, have really, all the time in the world, Rolly. However long you want to talk. Oh, no, I know. <laughs> um, probably my favorite memories of all of Disneyland was when I was sent down there to get me out of wed <laughs> and they didn't want me around because of the, they were going to design the Haunted Mansion and they didn't want me around. So they made me supervising art director of Disneyland, which meant that I went down and worked with all the maintenance divisions, whether it was janitorial or whether it was food or, or anything or, or you know operations. And so I got to know every one of the, the managers of all those different divisions and I'd sit in meetings with them and then I really began to understand what it was like to maintain Disneyland. Nobody knows what the hell those people go through on a daily basis to keep that place looking like it does. And I have nothing but admiration and love for all of those people. And the best part of that was that was back when the park was closed on Mondays and Tuesdays so that the maintenance people could work. For me to be able to walk through Disneyland for two days in a row without anybody in there but me and maybe some people from the paint shop or whatever, you know what happens? You almost take Disneyland on and say, it's yours. You know, get out of here. This is my place. You know, and I used to love that. And I had a bicycle. In fact, I used to, I had a little red Porsche. And I used to ride my little Porsche around there, and they would let me drive my little car all over the place as long as I kept a piece of cardboard under it. So when I stopped it and put it underneath the engine, there, no oil would drip out. But I, I would say that was the most incredible time because then you saw the park for what it was. It was just gorgeous. And the, the last question, this will be, we'll finish up here. Is there anything that you're working on right now that you want our listeners to know about that you're promoting? Is there any projects you're working on? No, just, no, I'm, no, I'm just sitting waiting. Uh, <laughs> if somebody calls me and wants me to help, you know, it's really interesting. I really don't want to get involved with anything, but if somebody calls and it makes some sense to me, uh, then I'd, I'd be glad to work on something. But uh, I just, uh, I reached a point where I'm not really too excited about going anywhere. And the nice thing about it is people do come down here. So I have, we have meetings, Marie and I have meetings here at the house. And uh, we've had a lot of fun with the meetings here because, you know, both my house and I have in Fallbrook and this house, our house here, is it's just loaded 
with Rolly's crap. So uh, it's kind of fun to have people come down and take a peek at it. Well, you, you should be proud of, of the work you've done for Disney, uh, your hand in building Disneyland and building something that so many people love. I mean, the whole reason that Sean and Keith and I are together is because we love Disney and, and you should be okay. proud of what you've done and, and for all the fans in the world and, and us especially, you know, we want to thank you for that. You, you built something that we love or helped build something that we love. And we, we thank you okay, for that. The one yes, thing I'm you. most proud of is my book. Uh, that really breaks through and tells it like it was. And uh, there's no sugar coating in that, in that book. And, and I think there's high contrast in stories in the book that are Disney, but they're outside of Disney. And these little stories are part of the foundation of, of everything I did. So I'm very proud of what I did. And I look back at it and say, oh, shit, that's pretty good, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it is a great book, and, and we've all read it, and uh, I, I, I will read it again, one, you know, one of these days, and, and I'll probably read it multiple times before yeah. before I uh, leave the earth. It's a, it's a great book. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Be sure to let us know what you thought of this week's show. You can comment in the show notes over at EnchantedTikiTalk.Podbean.com. You can email us at EnchantedTikiTalk at gmail.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash EnchantedTikiTalk. And, of course, you can follow us at TikiTalk Podcast on Twitter. And lastly, if you enjoy the show, please take time to rate us on iTunes. And you can find me at 1MinuteDisneyDream on Twitter. That's 1MIN DisneyDream or MouseWorldVacations.com. And you can find me on Twitter at DoleWhipDaily and DoleWhipDaily.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm at Norman Bates. That's N-O-R-M-N-B, the number eight and the letter S. Thanks for listening this week. For Sean and Keith, our very special guest, Rolly Crump, I'm Alan, and this has been Enchanted Tiki Talk. Aloha. Rolling? I want you to meet Julie Reams. She is Miss Disneyland Tencennial. This is Roland Crump, who for the project Hello. here is sort of acting as the interior decorator of a, uh, a house of uh, illusion. What do we call it? Museum of the Weird. Museum of the Weird. Will you tell her about some of these things, Roland? Uh, these are going to be uh, collected from all over the world, supposedly. And we're going to have man-eating plants. And we're going to have a coffin clock here that we're working on right now. We have a gypsy cart that comes to life with ghosts inside of it. We have a candle man. These are just things that are collected from all over the world. Just the weirdest things we could find.